Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports, so we definitely want to keep this conversation going after the show. So make sure you swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on social media. Check out Parlay Points, new wrestling blog dropping this week, too. So you definitely want to make sure you're following and subscribing to that as well. Check out the T Public Store. No better time to get some ODPH swag. No better time. New designs are up. It's a wonderful thing. So you definitely want to go check that out. And so much more is at odphpodcast.com. And always remember to use the hashtag odphpod on social media. But kicking off this edition of the Sports Podcast, we have to talk some wrestling. Wrestling. So there's been some news hovering around the WWE, mm-hmm. and we figured we are going to get into that because that's going to take a little while to break down because yeah. obviously it's like a domino effect going on with a possible free agent landing. Yep. But they had a pay-per-view that kind of is setting up their... WrestleMania card that's coming up later this year. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Like It's like less than 40 days away or something? Yeah. Like, something like that? I forget what it is. The Super Bowl of pro wrestling. Yes. Uh, but uh, as took place this past Saturday from Jeddah, uh, Saudi Arabia, this was not another Crown Jewel event. This was the Elimination Chamber. Yes. Uh, so this is obviously the mega structure with the five pods? Four pods? Four pods. Four pods. Four pods in it where two people start in the ring. Uh, and the match cannot finish until uh, everyone's out of the pods and in the ring. And then all the antics and craziness ensue. Uh, you know, a lot of people on the card, a lot of implications, as we mentioned, for WrestleMania. You know, you had a couple matches with uh, title shot implications at WrestleMania on the line, a couple of belts on the line. Uh, so we're going to break that down now. And the first match that took place on the pre-show was between Rey Mysterio and The Miz. Uh, and you had Rey Mysterio emerge victorious, pinning The Miz in 9 minutes and 15 seconds. Solid opening match. Yeah. I mean, nothing really moving the needle for me. Obviously, the biggest headline coming out of this was The Miz was promising a tag team partner to take on the Mysterios. And we would find that out on Monday, but we'll get into that a little later in the yeah. show. Yeah, it was an all right match. I mean, just something to get the crowd going, you know, kind of get everybody hyped up and going. It was, it was all right for what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up was a surprising open to the card. But, hey, when you look at what was on the rest of the card, made sense. Uh, and this was Roman Reigns defending his belt against uh, Goldberg uh, for the Universal Championship match. And you had Roman uh, submit Goldberg in six minutes exactly to retain his WWE Universal Championship. I'm glad they didn't go for shock value and give the belt to Goldberg. Uh-huh. At this stage in the game, I don't have any interest to see him wrestle. No. Uh, I'm sorry and just being very honest about this. And this is another feather in the cap for Roman that oh, obviously yeah. you take care of another superstar on his long reign as champion. So this was all right. I mean, it was pretty much par for the course, but I was okay with it. Yeah, it was all right. I mean, I didn't expect a long match out of this just because, listen, nobody needs to see it at this point. I could be wrong, but I think this might have been Goldberg's last match under his current contract he's had going. Yes. Could be wrong, you know, so apologies if I am. 
But for what it was, it, it was what it needed to be. Roman looked dominant. Another, you know, feather in the cap, another name on the resume. Because if you look up the the names of the folks he's beaten since he became Universal Champion again, yikes, that's mm-hmm. quite a list. Uh, you know, but it was what it needed to be. So, well, all right. Yeah, I mean, it served the purpose of what it needed to, and that's to give Roman a quick program because obviously going into WrestleMania, and I honestly forget how long it is to Mania because I, I have uh-huh. not been watching WWE programming too much because the product has not exactly been the best lately. No. I mean, in comparison to some other organizations like GCW, in my opinion, it's been okay, but it hasn't been like, wow, must-watch television. It's got its moments, but it's not like... It's not a whole bunch of moments that, like, it's worth sifting through the crap to watch those moments. Yeah. You know, like, even a couple of years ago, it wasn't great, but there were still a fair number of moments that it's like, all right, I can sit through the crap and, and look at these awesome moments. It's more crap than awesome moments. So, at the, and I'm in the same boat. You know, I still keep an eye on what's going on. I still catch out the highlights on YouTube and look at Twitter when the shows are going on. But when it comes to watching it start to finish, nah. No, you can't because obviously it's not been great. But going into WrestleMania season, like I said, it was coming later this year as in April 2nd and 3rd, two days of the granddaddy of them all. This is usually when the WWE kind of steers in the right direction. Yeah. And that's why like pay-per-views like the Elimination Chamber matter because we can get kind of an idea, a temp in the room, if you will, yep. of where we're going. So, Pat, let's get back to the card. Yeah, so the next matchup was a first of its kind, you know, or, or no, I don't think this was the first one. No, uh, apologies. Uh, it was the Women's Elimination Chamber match. Uh, this was taking place between Dewdrop, Liv Morgan, Nikki A.S.H., Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, and the last entrant that was added on the Monday prior, uh, Alexa Bliss. Uh, And you had Bianca Belair emerge victorious uh, to win a title shot against the WWE Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania. Made sense. Yeah. Zero issue with this, because obviously, with what happened last year at SummerSlam, which is Bianca Belair was supposed to face Sasha Banks. Yep. Sasha could not wrestle due to, you know, reasons or injury. I honestly forget at the stage. Yeah. Becky Lynch came back, obviously, from maternity leave and beat Bianca in record time. It's like 36 seconds or something. Yeah, and I know like the fans were losing their mind, but it was a situation that the WWE made the best of the situation that they had. Yeah. I always felt they were going to run it back at some point. Oh, yeah. But to do the rematch at WrestleMania, you can't get on a bigger stage. No. So that being said made perfect sense and uh, you know to see alexa was the surprise entrant that was cool like i I had no issue with that because obviously they're kind of teetering away and then coming back a little bit to the whole fiend possession gimmick like whatever that's going on but i didn't mind seeing her come back and i thought that she she'd look great on the return yeah and i gotta say shout out to the women for finding creative ways with all of their gear yes you know because obviously with the way the laws and, and such are over there that you know women can't wear very revealing clothing which is kind of the staple for women's wrestling, you know, on any federation, not just WWE. You know, to go from a couple of years ago where it was, I believe it was, um, what was it, Natty, and then, uh, uh, oh, what's her name? Uh, former Marine. Oh, Lacey Evans. Lacey Evans, thank you. Where it was Natty and Lacey Evans, and, like, they were wearing their normal ring gear, but, like, it was with a gigantic, like, double XL shirt over it. Mm-hmm. To this really creative, I mean, Liv Morgan with the uh, honor and tribute, I guess you could say, to, to, Britney, Spears. to Britney Spears, wearing, yeah. like, the Britney Spears gear. Shout out to the women for being very creative. Absolutely. Uh, so next up, you had a matchup between Naomi and Ronda Rousey taking on Charlotte Flair and Sonya Deville. Uh, and you had Naomi and Ronda Rousey emerge victorious uh, in nine minutes and 15 seconds. 
This one really wasn't that big of a surprise. I mean, uh, there was the whole like, Ronda had a fight with an arm tied behind her back. or Which is not unusual for her. Yeah, which is something I know if you've been following SmackDown, it's part of the storyline because Sonya Deville was technically injured. And yeah. So this went right to the storyline that they wanted to build, and Ronda made Sonya tap, which that is what we kind of expected because nothing's going to happen to Charlotte before Mania. So. Yeah. However, that main event decides to shake up is going to be anybody's guess. But this one is pretty part, you know, straightforward to the course. I'm honestly surprised this didn't end in a disqualification of some sort, just because, as I mentioned or speculated on last week's show, both sides of this hate each other like in equal amounts. Mm-hmm. So I just figured they do the schmas where it's like, oh, hey, they're going to fight for a decent amount of time, but then it's going to be a DQ finish. I think that they were just trying to really add something to this pay-per-view. And, sure. And, and then maybe we'll see a rematch get ran back on SmackDown this week. Maybe. That's where I was kind of thinking they were going. Because I, I was expecting a clean finish, but we also have to go to April now. Yeah. You know, with the, True. with the, at least the one storyline. True. Like, I'm still hoping Naomi and Sonya Deville gets added to Mania. But we haven't I would heard imagine anything. so. I hope so. I, I mean, would imagine that so. That storyline's been, been very good, in my opinion. There's definitely room for it now, just because, you know, as we'll get to in a little bit, you've, you've got what would be two matches with the WWE Championship and the uh, Universal Championship, now one match. But right. Like I said, we'll get to that in a minute. You know, so there's definitely room for it. Uh, next up on the card was a matchup between Mad Cat Moss and Drew McIntyre in a Falls Count Anywhere match, and you had Drew McIntyre emerge victorious, pinning Mad Cap in nine minutes and seven seconds. Like I said, pretty straightforward with this one as well, but Mad Cat... Alabama slam. Yeah. Hey... Listen. Earn your stripes, kid. Say what you will about Madcap. That was a shot. Uh-huh. That was a bad shot. Yeah, it was. But he was still hung in he, there. He, the ref asked him, and he apparently told the ref and, and told Drew he was still good to go. Well, I think that he knows this is not ballet as rich from 3FN always puts it. No. And, he's, and he's spot on with that, too. Yeah. There is going to be some very scary bumps that you're going to be taking. It's oh, just yeah. It's par for the course oh, yeah. when you sign up to do this. And he got it through it, and, you know, like, listen, it was a little intense. And I think for him, this is why WWE is very high on him right now. I know, like, a lot of people are going, like, well, you know, him and Happy Corbin, I don't get the gimmick. You don't have to. You see what's going on in the ring and what they're doing and everybody they're facing, they're putting over very well, especially Corbin. Yeah. I think he gets a lot more anger from the Internet, like, oh, why is he here? Corbin is there putting people over like Dolph Ziggler does. And if you don't see that, you should be really paying attention because that's why Corbin's on TV a lot now. Mm-hmm. And he's doing a great job with it too. Like I say, he's he's a, he's a heel that can definitely get a face over. And not saying that you need to get Drew over anymore, but I think with Drew, with you know the alleged neck injury or issues that he's having, yeah, yeah. to see him back in action, seems like he was looking okay. Yeah. This is a good sign, especially going to Mania, the match, you know, was what it was, but it was a good one for him, so can't be too mad about that. No. Uh, next up was the matchup for the Raw Women's Championship between Becky Lynch defending her belt against Lita, and you had Becky Lynch emerge victorious, pinning Lita in 12 minutes and 14 seconds. Lita looked great in this match. Yes, yeah, she did. You know, for being out of the ring for as much time as she has been, it looked like she was picking right back up where she left off. Yeah. And her and Becky really had good chemistry. I was surprised. Like, when I saw this match, I was like, you know, they're really clicking. So yeah. Definitely, uh, though, once Bianca won... 
the elimination chamber, you yeah. you knew Becky was winning. Yeah. So there wasn't going to be any kind of really crazy finish. I got to admit though, here. I got confused though just because I wasn't able to watch the show live. I was busy on Saturday. I opened Twitter at one point and I saw a tweet from WWE after the match was over, and it was just a photo of like Lita like on her knees in the ring, like one hand or standing one hand in the air. And it was just with the goat emoji. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and it, just the way the photo was framed and the way she was standing. And I'm like, wait a fucking minute. Did she win? Yeah. And I had to go search. I'm like, oh, okay. She didn't. Yeah. But now we get the rematch from SummerSlam that we've yeah. all been waiting for on the biggest stage. So. Uh, spoiler alert. Will not be as short as the first one. No, definitely not. That's I, I will even say this. That will main event night one. Probably. I'm going to call that shot yeah, right now. Probably. Uh, next up in the co-main event of the evening was the matchup for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships between Jimmy and Jay Uso taking on the Viking Raiders, which didn't happen. Uh, Viking Raiders were coming out first, and they I don't even think they made it to the damn ring. Uh, and the Usos jumped them, shenanigans involved, and for whatever reason, because uh, I've seen guys and girls take worse beatings in and out of the ring before a match starts, and they still have the match. And yet, for some reason, they decided, no, we're not going to have this match. It's a draw, no contest. Uh, Usos uh, retain their title. Yeah, I don't know what was going on here. I don't really understand it. I I don't either, just because, like I said, I've seen both men and women get the shit kicked out of them worse than what the the Viking Raiders did and still be forced to, to have the match. So unless there's, and I'm pure speculation here, I don't know anything, I'm not trying to insinuate anything, mm-hmm. unless there's some type, there was some type of injury on the Viking Raiders yeah. to lead into this, you know, because we obviously haven't seen them, you know, since this t- took place, because this was on Saturday, SmackDown's not at, until this Friday. Mm-hmm. Maybe there was some type of injury that, like, they, because they t- had to tape SmackDown, you know, the week prior... And they flew out there. There was really no way for them to work it because there probably might not have been any other SmackDown tag teams out there with them. You know, maybe this was just their way of doing it, but certainly in a, a questionable uh, event. Especially to fly from the USA to Saudi Arabia yeah. just to yeah. do that. Like, I realize like, I realize it's a good payday yeah, know, sure, for, sure. for the wrestlers, but, like, to fly them however long it is, it's a fucking red eye. Yeah. You know, all the way to Jeddah, and then to fly them all the way back just to have them not even wrestle, like, I'm sorry, even the amount of money for me, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, it was puzzling, Yeah, to say the least. So hopefully you get a little clarification this week on SmackDown. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, and then the main event was uh, the men's elimination chamber match, and this was for the WWE Championship, where you had Bobby Lashley defending his belt against AJ Styles, Austin Theory, Riddle, Seth freaking Rollins, and Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Austin Theory and all the selfies he was taking before mm. he got in the pod. That was funny as shit. Also, rest in peace, Austin Theory. Brock Lesnar killed that man. Yeah, he did. I don't know what you did, whether you pissed in his Cheerios or you stole his beer or you hunted on his land without his permission or you insulted Saskatchewan. You did something to piss him off. Goddamn. Uh, but no, a Brock Lesnar emerged victorious to become your new uh, WWE champion, becoming a now 10-time WWE champion. That's a crazy stat. I know. Uh, and also taking place during the match, Bobby Lashley had to leave because what they were calling, and I'm, you can't see it, but I'm using air quotes, yep. concussion. 
protocol. Uh, current online speculation and the current rumor is that Bobby Lashley needs shoulder surgery. And that, keep that in mind because that'll come to play in a little bit. Yeah, I thought that was uh, very interesting about the concussion protocol. But then when you started hearing the rumors about the injuries and yeah. like, I hope speedy, healthy recovery if he's got to get surgery. Cause yeah. Lashley has been killing it right now in Raw. Uh, That's why he needs shoulder surgery. He's been carrying the damn show. Yes. <laughs> well played, Pat. Well Thank played. You. Yeah, this one, this match, though, like, I had a feeling that Lesnar was going to retain. Yeah. Or, or go get the win because, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was interesting how it was set up, and they wanted to make him look like the unstoppable force. Uh, and they certainly did. Him F5-ing Austin Theory off the top of the pod. Ow. Yeah. Goddamn. Yeah, like, he, made, he want, they wanted to make a statement win with him. And I, I liked seeing the I laughed seeing the article where I guess it was uh, said that Brock Lesnar went off script to what he was supposed to do in the match. I'm like, well, of course he did. Are you going to tell him no? Yeah, well, I think that he is now really seeing the business for what it is. Sure. And the money thing is there, but he's having fun. And if yeah. he has an idea, I think that now he's kind of getting to that point where it's like, I'm just going to do it. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Like, fire me. Like you, like he yeah. whipped a belt at Vince himself, and he's still employed. Yeah, like that's the thing. He's he's as much of a made man there as you can get. And if you don't believe that's that, that event actually happened, it's on the fucking WWE twenty four. Yeah, there's no joke about that. He did it. So that being said, Lesnar has got a little freedom to do what he wants because, like, who the hell is going to tell him no? Yeah. And it made sense, and it put him over really big. Not that he needed to, but no. obviously now we're left with champion versus champion. Yeah. As it stands. Yeah, and I mean, if you want to make me care about Roman versus Brock, because let's face it, they've faced each other a fair number of times. It's it's not stale, but it's on that way to getting stale. You know, the, food's the, the food in the fridge ain't exactly expired yet, but it's starting to get a little funky taste to it. Yeah. You know, if you want to make me care, this is different. You know, they faced each other for the belt with both, you know, Roman having the belt, with Brock having the belt, in multiple different scenarios and multiple different arenas. This is different. This makes me care about it a little bit. It's very interesting to see that they want to go this route. But one thing that we're noticing over the past year is WWE, at least in my opinion, has a very precise vision of what they want to do with the company. Sure. I mean, obviously, they have laid off and released a lot of people over the past year. Yes. They're really trying to fine-tune what they're doing, and I think that they want to try getting back to – one world champion, one tag team champion. Right. You can keep the two mid-card belts because they still do serve a purpose. Sure. But I think they're really trying to, to you know, fine-tune their roster a little bit more. And doing this gives WrestleMania that big of a main event. Oh, sure. Champion versus champion. It's always a big deal when it's champion versus champion. Oh, God, yeah. So to put Brock there against Roman, that does add a, a great element. I agree with you, though, Pad. We've seen this a million times. Yep. I would love him to add Seth Rollins into the mix sure. or, you know, do something kind of crazy like that. Maybe they'll have a money in the bank uh, ladder match in between now and then. Uh, uh, well, uh. maybe, but obviously with that being a pay-per-view now, no, I know. you know, like that's the thing. You can't really do that to do that. No, I know. I know, but it would still, it would be, it would add a certain dynamic to it. Like yeah. there's, there's no way around it. But then we had the first show after this pay-per-view, which I yeah. think that we both can kind of agree it was an okay pay-per-view. Yeah, it was all right. A premium event. I, I know I have to remember yeah. to say that now. Yeah. But it was nothing that really stood out and went, wow. Yeah. So that's something we have to take in perspective because now we're going into WrestleMania. Yep. Like you touched upon, it was like 40 days away. It just feels like forever for me. And we did get some interesting 
moments on Monday Night Raw that leads into Mania. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. So uh, you had Brock Lesnar open the show on Monday Night Raw last night. I'm sorry, that wasn't Brock Lesnar. That was Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah. Walker, Texas Ranger. Uh, Brock Lesnar came out, sp- spun his stuff and said his stuff. Heyman came out and basically said, hey, listen, one of the guarantees you had of when I was your manager and I was in charge of your business and your affairs is I made sure all the I's were dotted, and I'm paraphrasing, Mm -hmm. all the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed. And there's one little thing you neglected to note is that you've got a championship matchup coming this, not this Saturday, uh, on Saturday, March 5th at Madison Square garden which is a house show you know so brock will be at madison square garden on march 5th uh defending his belt against suppose now Heyman said it's supposed to be bobby lashley but Heyman said if bobby lashley isn't able to con- to clear concussion protocol don't worry i'll have an opponent worthy of title contention for that matchup yeah and he left it at that well obviously the internet is running a little crazy with ideas yes and obviously, if you've been listening to 607TWS, you've been listening to ODPH, we have all discussed at some point about Cody Rhodes no longer being part of AEW. Yes. Now, in the latest edition of 607TWS, we were talking about how it's what he's doing is basically being a good free agent and working for the best deal he can get yeah. out of either company. Yeah. But with how this promo came about from Paul Heyman. Uh-huh. And to publicly mention about a house show. Yeah. Especially the date of it is very telling. Uh Uh-huh. Which is March 5th. Now you're probably going, well, why is that important? The next day is AEW's pay-per-view revolution Uh on March 6th. So the WWE is really, in my opinion, trying to get some headlines away from AEW. I mean, they, they ain't got to say nothing because they're already saying it. Right. And what bigger way to steal some headlines than if you have one Cody Rhodes mm-hmm. take on Brock Lesnar and possibly do a title change at Madison Square Garden? I mean, you don't need to have Brock versus Roman belt for belt. I mean, I know the graphics are out there, but hey, card subject to change. Exactly. And I think that that's maybe where we're going with this. Because if Heyman is saying he'll bring in a replacement, and like I say, this is only speculation, but if you're looking at the timeline, it does make a little bit of sense. Sure. Because if Cody is signed with WWE, and like we said, we don't have anything official. We're not saying he has. We're saying if. Because a lot can happen within a week that we know of. If he has signed with WWE, this is one of the biggest ways to make the internet break for a couple hours. Oh, yeah. And you're going to see a very interesting reaction from wrestling fans. And it's not even an event that you need to have televised to make an impact because, hey, let's face it, they'll have cameras there. They always do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember the one house show we were at here in Binghamton where, you know, Alexa Bliss got interrupted by buddy murphy and then alexa bliss went out back and told braun Strowman what was going on and braun Strowman came out and did the whole thing that got broadcast on all of their social medias from their cameramen that were and camera people that were at the arena oh oh absolutely you know, so it's so it's not even a case of like it would make all the sense in the world to have him debut on raw debut on smackdown debut on you know wrestlemania itself or, or whatever but you don't necessarily need to you can you can do it at the world's most famous arena 
you could do it there, and especially for anybody that has realized that AEW has really been trying to break into the New York market lately. I was just going to say, haven't they been trying to get in the garden the last couple of years? I think they've tried for the garden, but they've gone outside. Arthur Ashe Stadium is where they've gone. I know they've been to Long Island, too. So there is some interest of them going to New York, which I get. And listen, if you're a wrestling promotion, yeah, going to New York City, especially Madison Square Garden, that's the mecca for a reason. Oh, yeah. You want to go there. But if AEW has been trying to, you know, get their paws, so to speak, into Madison Square Garden, that's always been a home turf for WWE for centuries, saying, <laughs> like it, it feels like. And hasn't WWE, like the last couple of decades or whatever it is, had like final say if a, another wrestling promotion can get in there or not? Like it's a handshake agreement type of thing? Uh, more or less. I yeah. mean, it's been kind It's been kind of the perception is reality, like you think about it. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, they've, there's only been one show that I think got in there without them, and that was New Japan. Right, yeah, because it's, it's fucking New Japan. Yeah, which, listen, I, Vince has a great, great relationship with them. so He likes New Japan. Yeah, so like I said, between them and ROH there, I, like I think that's the only time it's been. Yeah. But that being said, I think that you have to kind of really look at that. that they made a point yeah. to publicize about that house show. Oh, yeah. That was not a throwaway line. That no. was not a throwaway segment. Hey, Heyman don't say shit without a reason behind it, you know. He he shoots from the hip and he kind of speaks off the top of his head for a reason, but in this instance, that was not that case. Yeah. So now it's going to be very interesting to see how this all unfolds. Like we said, we haven't heard anything officially with Cody of what he's doing. No, I, I know he's alluded to retirement, you know, and whatnot, which could be the case, you know, but still, he's being very smart about it and the buzz is as high as it could ever be for any free agent. Yeah. Like, that's something you really have to think about, that he's really dictating his own pace. Sure. And really calling his own shot. So, that all said, it can really be something interesting to see how this all shapes up and to see where they go from it. Mm-hmm. So, you really have to think about that for a second. Well, and you know that the folks with WWE are having fun with this uh, because, again, on Monday Night Raw last night, uh, as a result of what happened on Saturday, you had The Miz saying he was going to get a partner to help him out facing the Mysterios. And the official WWE, not the WWE on Fox Twitter account, but the official WWE Twitter account as a tease for last night's episode of Monday Night Raw said, you know, tweeted out, adrenaline is in the air. And I'm pretty sure, and I think adrenaline might have been in all caps. Yeah, They tweeted out, adrenaline is in the air as, you know, you know, fans are expecting who The Miz is going to announce as his tag partner on Monday Night Raw. And, of course, Adrenaline is the first lyric in the Kingdom song by Downstate, uh, who sings Cody Rhodes' theme. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's speculation of that. And then watching the segment, uh, Miz knows what the fuck he's doing. He's a, yeah. he's a brilliant individual when it comes to uh, promotion. He talked about this man, his partner, being a family man. Mm-hmm. You know, having a long lineage. Being dashing and i was like oh he's fucking having fun with this it turned out being logan paul but still they're having a lot of whether this is true or not that cody rhodes ends up there wwe is having a lot of fun with it well i think it's good for business because now you've made wwe programming a must watch Mm -hmm. to see if cody shows up and it's smart business i mean that's the whole thing i know that we are not somebody that really talk about ratings too much and and it doesn't at the end of the day i mean if you listen to this because it's 7 tws and odbh like 
this has been a long standing statement. They're fun to look at and they're fine to look at, but ultimately at the end of the day, unless you're an advertiser or somebody looking to buy ad space on said show, why the fuck do you care? Yeah, exactly. So like the ratings thing doesn't matter, but it's now become so, something that's really making WWE programming. Yeah. yeah noteworthy that you might see a spike in, in this because people are interested to see how Cody does this. Yeah. To see him actually make an appearance, that would be a big deal. Oh, yeah. You know, but if he goes to goes back to AEW, it'd still be a big deal, too. Sure. You know, like I say. No matter where he goes, it's going to be a big deal. Exactly. Logan Paul, that's a celebrity. He draws in a certain demographic. He draws in a large crowd. Yeah, to check him out, too. Love him or hate him, he gets a lot of views across all social media. Yeah, and he's he's this is not the first time he's been in WWE, so you no. know what? Like no. it, it, it's kind of a non-factor, but the Miz is having I, fun I with this. I fucking hate the guy, but I get it. Yeah, like you get it. Like, listen, he's ratings. Yeah, love him or hate him, he, he's ratings, and the Miz knows what he's doing. Like they're all working everybody. We'll say, like, I know my mom hates first take on ESPN just because of Stephen A. Smith and, and yelling and screaming all the time against whoever's on the screen. Yeah, that's a very deliberate choice on ESPN's part because you're not going to sit there and watch. Two folks and a host sit there and, and calmly debate sports topics on a morning television show while they discuss, oh, you know, where's Aaron Rodgers going to be going? You know, what does it mean by his Instagram post? No, you're going to fucking tune in to watch it for the screaming and yelling they do at each other. Yeah. It, it always makes for compelling television. And that's, yeah. what you, and that's what you have going on right now with the Cody watch. That's yeah. What, that's what we'll call it. By the way, yes, it was New Japan and Ring of Honor at MSG. Okay. So okay. I had to do that back in 2018. So, but there was a little more kind of smoke thrown into this yeah. you know fire as well because edge also came out with a promo yeah and he has now called out somebody for wrestlemania yeah he well he called out he kind of went in a roundabout way went about it. he talked about his tag team matchup that he and christian had with the dudleys and hardy boys at, at wrestlemania 14 or was it 17 i forget which one mm-hmm. you know and and the great you know the matt great one of the greatest cards of all time and the match that stole the show he talked about putting mick foley through the flaming table a couple years later you know he talked about his match with undertaker that he had and and coming back and you know he's so he laid out an open challenge you know and it's being speculated that you know he's challenging eh, he, he's challenging himself yes no uh he's challenging aj which would be fucking awesome give, yeah give that to me you know people are speculating demon finn balor which again seeing finn last night when he tag teamed with tomaso champa which holy fuck that's like a 16 pack between the two of them yeah god damn you know finn would be great but then also people are speculating cody mm-hmm. and also uh he did mention the uh catchphrase that damian priest used to use so people are speculating maybe damian priest well edge is also smart enough in the business to know yeah as well too so if you can draw some business there it's going to definitely help him. I mean, obviously, he's very synonymous with WrestleMania. Not in the same level as The Undertaker, but no. he's up there as well. Yeah. So you know he's going to get a marquee matchup. I do think it's going to be AJ Styles by the time it's all said and done. It, but if it's Cody again, too, or somebody else, like you know it's going to be a marquee matchup. Like Why Edge, not both? Well, you know what? It's not to say it wouldn't be out of the realm of thought, but I think they really, if they're going to bring in Cody, they're really going to go big with yeah. it. And obviously, everything is hovering around that house show. Mm-hmm. which is going to make for some interesting television because if the buzz is, hypothetically saying, Cody beats Brock. Goddamn. The internet is going to be buzzing about WWE programming going into an AEW pay-per-view. And I and I know the online speculation is that Cody is going WWE and that Vince is going to give him a quote-unquote massive push. There is no bigger push than having him re-debut, because I don't want to call it a debut, he's been there before, but having him reappear on WWE 
uh, with WWE at the most famous arena, their home, their home turf. Let's face it, their their office is in in Stamford, Connecticut, but their home is in Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. You know, debut re debut on home turf and beat Brock freaking Lesnar for the belt. The possibilities here are just endless. There is no bigger push than that. Yeah. So we're going to have to wait to see what comes out of this, but just a simple throwaway segment on Monday Night Raw stemming out of the heels of the Elimination Chamber has really got some interesting possibilities. Should uh-huh. it happen. By the way, to clarify, it was 2019 for oh, New okay. Japan and, and uh, Ring of Honor at Madison Square Garden. But either way, the Garden will be rocking on March 5th. Yeah. So ODPH Society, what do you think about the possibility of Brock Lesnar versus a mystery opponent? Sure, it's supposed to be Bobby Lashley, but if signs are saying he's supposed to have surgery, is it really going to be him? And then who do you think would step in the place that would really move the needle? Could we have WrestleMania early with you know Roman Reigns? Yeah. Not another possibility, but that would be a heck of a way to shake up that main event. So much to talk about in the land of pro wrestling. So make sure you hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. Let us know your thoughts about the WWE Elimination Chamber. Did you watch it? Did you like it? Did you not? Also, what is your speculation involving Cody Rhodes? And do you think he's going to show up March 5th? And for even more pro wrestling coverage, make sure you're tuning in to 607TWS on your favorite podcast platform as well. And check out Blogs Count Anywhere on ODPHpodcast.com. That being said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. What's going on, everyone? This is your girl, Julene, host of It Goes Down in the PM. We talk about everything from work, motherhood, local celebrities to comic books. Tune in every Friday at 1 o'clock to find out what really goes down in the PM. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we got to talk some college basketball. Well, we are getting close to March Madness. I would say we are roughly under a month away. One shining moment. Yes, the greatest tournament in all of professional sports. Yes. Because that is literally anybody's game to win. NBA careers can be made or broken with that uh, tournament. Oh, absolutely. But... There was an incident that we have been asked by a couple people from the ODPH Society. We've been DM'd and saying, like, hey, what is your take about what happened here? Yeah. And obviously, with Final Four implications coming up, because the quote-unquote regular season is winding down very shortly, and colleges are going to be going into their play-in tournaments for their conferences, this is now where you're seeing the temperatures rise, the emotions are an all-time high yeah and unfortunately there was an incident on television that we have to break down and kind of discuss yeah so the incident in question took place on sunday i believe it was uh between the michigan wolverines men's basketball team and the wisconsin badgers uh men's basketball team uh and so you know there was an incident that took place where i believe wisconsin was on its way to winning 10 seconds were left in the game and Wisconsin decided to call a timeout, and it was and it was a margin of it was a margin between the point differential where it was like okay, realistically, Michigan wasn't going to make it up, right? And, and all that, you know. So it was it was a foregone conclusion, you know. It, it's essentially like you know if if a team's up by three scores in the NFL and they decided decided to do the Dan Marino fake spike, like die, probably not the best idea. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, 
reading from an article on ESPN.com, courtesy of Jeff uh, Borzello. Uh, Wisconsin coach Greg, uh, quote, Wisconsin coach Greg Gard stopped Juwan Howard in the handshake line, leading to the two men exchanging words before being surrounded by a few players and coaches. Howard put his finger in, uh, Gard's face and grabbed Gard's sweater before Krabenhoff, uh, he is one of the, uh, assistant coaches for Wisconsin, uh, Joe Krabenhoff, uh, came over in the middle of the scrum. Howard then reached out and struck, struck Krabenhoff's face. Both teams began pushing and shoving with Michigan forwards Musa Diabate and Terrence Williams appearing to throw punches. Wisconsin guard Jacoby Neff uh, also appeared to throw a punch. The Big Ten said it would review the matter for swift and appropriate disciplinary action. Uh, so yeah, the uh, swift and quick disciplinary action came down last night as we record, where you had Jawan Howard suspended five games the rest of the regular season uh, and was fined $40,000 for hitting Wisconsin assistant coach Joe Krabenhoff in the face after the game on Sunday. This was announced by the Big Ten Conference. Uh, Wisconsin coach Greg Gard was fined $10,000 for violating the conference's sportsmanship policy, but not suspended, while Krabenhoff is not expected to receive punishment. Michigan forward Terrence Williams and Musa Dibade and Wisconsin guard Jacoby Neth were each suspended one game. All three appeared to throw punches. The disciplinary actions were imposed by the Big Ten in conjunction with both schools. Uh, close quote from the ESPN.com article. So not the best look for either team. No, unfortunately, this was caught on camera uh-huh. and shown to the national audience. I mean, that's the biggest yeah. point of... This is where a lot of people got wind yeah. of what happened. In- yeah, and and you want to talk about a, a it's never a good situation when fighting takes place in any sport unless it's, you know, boxing or MMA or hockey. Or hockey. You know, but this was especially bad because this wasn't like it took place on ESPN 8 the Ocho. Yeah. This wasn't like it was, you know, only on ESPN Plus, you know, as part of their their package deal or whatever, it's it's ain't like it was on the Big Ten network where you only get it if you have the right cable package. This was on and this this was on CBS, mm-hmm. not CBS Sports, you know, not Paramount, not Paramount Plus, CBS proper, you know, the flagship channel. Yeah, and this was leading into golf coverage with Jim Nance. Yeah, so there were obviously going to be a lot of folks tuning in for the golf coverage. Uh, and folks expecting, oh, hey, you know, it's coming up on 5 o'clock or whatever it is. You know, it's time for the golf coverage with Jim Nance. Flip. Oh, my God. These guys are throwing fists. This is a situation where emotions are running high. Yeah. And, and you know what? You have to remember Howard, part of the Fab Five. Uh-huh. Definitely, you know, is an emotional player. And sure. And is an emotional coach. Sure. Like most are. Because if you are really invested in a game. Oh, yeah. Whether you're a player, whether you're a coach. You do take that stuff very seriously, as you should. Oh, and yeah. if, if you're out of reach and the game is out over and that happened, I can understand being mad and being caught up in the sure. moment. And you know what? That's why I say I feel this is an isolated incident. But, you know, when you're going through the handshake line and somebody is going to be saying something about that, obviously tempers are running. Uh-huh. And this is one situation that when you're confronting your opponents and something like this happens – yeah, it's going to get addressed. Oh yeah. Should Howard have you know hit him? No, absolutely no. not. But the punishment fit the crime. Yeah. I don't think that it should have been any longer. Like I know we were kind of getting hit up about like oh it should have been through the entire season going into the playoffs yeah. and whatever. And yeah. it's like no, this is 
an incident where the emotions ran high. Yeah, I mean, a, a cardinal rule of, or an unwritten rule of basketball was broken. You mm-hmm. know, calling timeout when you're up enough with 10 seconds left, you just don't do it. Yeah. You know, it, should Howard have controlled his emotions? Yeah, he's a grown adult. You should know better. You know, but at the same token, if you go back and you watch the tape, he is saying, you know, to the Wisconsin co- Wisconsin coaching staff, you know, after his after uh, Howard's arm got grabbed, don't put your hands on me. And he said it about six or seven times. Yeah. You know, so it, sh- it should be pretty goddamn crystal clear that un- unless they're family, you shouldn't be putting your hands on anybody. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, Howard should have controlled his emotions a little bit more. You know, not a good look for either side. But I agree with you. The punishment for me fit the cr- for me fit the crime. You know, I know some people are throwing out, like you said, oh, suspended the regular season, the conference tournament, and if they're able to make it into the uh, NCAA tournament. No, it's not like this was Malice at the Palace part part two. No, and that's the one takeaway that everybody needs to remember, too. This is a bad look, and and you can't shy away from that. This was a bad look for Howard and Michigan's program. Yeah. But this was not a situation where it escalated to that point like you touched upon, Pat. Yeah. This is a situation where, yeah, an argument got heated, words got exchanged. We don't know got, what got said in that. Oh yeah, there's probably more that got said than we saw. Right, and that's what happened in the response. And you saw the players fighting. And listen, the powers of be came down with swift punishment. They didn't wait about this. And I think that everybody that got suspended for the game, it makes sense because sure. right now, this is crunch time for all those teams. Yeah, because. When you start going into where you're going to be seeding and you never know what's going to happen in those conference tournaments, this is your season on the line. Oh, yeah. And to be suspended, yeah, that's a crushing blow for any team. And for these players, yeah, they're going to learn a harsh lesson. And what I think they're going to do is I think Michigan especially is going to come back with a chip on their shoulder. Oh, absolutely. And I think that you're going to see this bring that team together. And I think that you're going to see them make a run. I'm not saying get, you call, call the shot they're winning the chip. Sure. But I think in this kind of situation where Howard was defending his team, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and, and like granted, I'm not condoning what he did. I want to stress yeah. that much. But to address that situation, he did. And whatever happened in that conversation, I don't know. Should he have hit him? No. And no. We, we've said that numerous times here. So I want to just make sure I'm drilling that point home. But if he wanted to address it to defend his team and say, like, hey, that's not the right way you do things, and whatever got said back to him, that that's what caused the escalation, then they're going to say, hey, my coach was standing up for me. Mm-hmm. And they're going to respond and play very hard for him. Not that they weren't already, mm-hmm. but they're going to come back. They're going to definitely do what they're going to try getting a chip, and they're going to just have that motivation. Like I say, it's one of the situations where – I feel this is going to be an isolated incident. This is I would, not, hope, this, I would hope This so. is not going to be yeah. anything for any other coach that's watching right now because, let's face it, this is the big story going around college basketball. Yeah. As sad as it is, it's the truth. Yeah. I think that everybody is going to be sitting with their teams and they're going to be saying, hey, listen, I don't care what gets said or what happens. You don't do this. Well, we all know you got to watch out for that uh, Coach Krzyzewski. Yeah. Yeah, of course. The final tour, you know he's going to be pulling out all the stops. I know. Uh, but can I just one thing? Sure. Why the fuck are we still doing handshake lines in college sports at this point? Like, And I'm not even talking COVID. I get it if you're Little League and you're teaching kids the fundamentals and sportsmanship and this and that. Why the fuck are we still doing this? Like, I, I, if, the, if I say get rid of the damn thing. Now, 
I will say, if the, if you want to keep it so that the coaches do it and the coaches explain exchange pleasantries, sure, I'm all right with that. But you, but I've seen multiple instances at multiple levels of the collegiate level and even the high school level where high emotions after the game. Christ, I saw one in high school like a week ago where basketball game, both teams lined up, handshake, oh, good game, good game, good game. Dude pulled back and cold cocked the guy straight in the face and started a brawl. Like emotions for these players are as high as they can be for the entire week. You know, their their mood and their week is made or broken on how this game happens. So why are we risking this type of shit? It's a great question. And I do see your argument. And you, like, you don't see this in the NBA. Like the NBA, they'll dribble, right. they'll dribble it out, they'll high five, they'll dap each other up. The coaches will still shake hands if, if they feel the need to, but you don't see you know the Miami Heat and the, and the Milwaukee Bucks lining up going, oh, good game, good game, good game, guys. Well, I think the argument is these are not quote unquote paid athletes. Sure, that you know this is supposed to be sport teaching sportsmanship. That this is not at that kind of professional level. That you want to instill the values of sportsmanship. I understand your point. But I think it's kind of that fine line, like, if we go away from it. Like, do I think we should in this COVID-19 era? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I think that it's foolish that they're doing this under the circumstances. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those situations that I think for being the tradition of sportsmanship, they they want to try keeping that up. But the problem that you have is, like you touched upon, Mm -hmm. when you're that emotionally invested in games and there's incidents like that timeout that's going to change the mood and that might not be the best time yeah. to do that. Like it almost should be a situation of like when you think in UFC. Sure. When fighters want to touch gloves or not. Oh yeah. And you kind of get that inclination like when they go back from the corners and the referee goes, "Okay, let's get it on." And then you come back in and like yep. they'll somebody'll throw up a dap and they say, "No." That should be the coach's call to do. Sure. And then maybe that's a way to regulate that. Sure. But I I agree with you. I think at this stage, you you have to find a better way to just keep that core value of sportsmanship instilled. Sure. I just don't know how you do that at at this level. Like, I mean, I can understand when your kids, you know, playing pee wee sure. football. And, I and get such. that. Like, I I get that. But like I say, the more that you get older, like if it's done at the high school level. I could understand that. Yeah, I, I think college. There's, there's no need for it. There's no. Just do the NBA method. Yeah. Have the coaches do it if you know and go shake hands. You know, whatever. And then just have the players, you know, on the court go up and and high five each other, handshake, whatever they want to do, and then just go your separate ways. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the way they want to do it. But I think just for a lot of a lot of people, they just want to keep that value still involved. That the sportsmanship outweighs everything. And I get that. And I think that's very noble. I just don't know how you do that in this day and age. I mean, you just see more instances where just people are so wound up for what has happened on the court. Yeah. To to dial it back, it, it's very tough. And especially in this situation where this happened right at the end of the game. Uh-huh. This isn't something like there was a flagrant foul in the no. second, you know, in the second quarter or anything no. like that. This is a situation where, okay, this is right after this happened. Uh-huh. Okay, let's go. Hey, great. I appreciate what you did. No, it's not going to fly. I and I think that's something that the NCAA needs to really reevaluate. And I would agree with you. I think it, like, but I think it should be the coach's call. Like, if they want to go say cool, they can. Yeah, and just get your players off the court. And if they don't want to shake, like, I don't think 
they need to do that per se. Yeah. Like I don't like I don't think it takes anything away from the game. But the fact that this is now making headlines, I mean, this is bringing up the conversation about that. That should they get rid of the handshake line? I mean, I've said yes, but that yeah, but my, I, I but my reason is like, okay, listen, if you're COVID is still a thing, no matter what you know you want to feel about it, and like I don't, I'm not going to get any debates about it. In my opinion, like I don't think they should be doing it. Sure, but you know, it's like if they want to go do that, they can go do that. No, I'm of the opinion to get rid of it just because this was a relatively isolated incident, you know, with this. Mm-hmm. But God forbid you have another situation where. Two players heated, go to handshake. They start cold cocking and it's looking like a freaking hockey hockey brawl, and it spills into the audience. Yeah, and then you get the fan. And, the, and Christ, if it spills into the student section, well, that's the whole problem that you are and still. Then, and then we're looking at Malice at the Palace Part Two, and you're dealing with young adults too. Like uh-huh. that's that's the one thing. The maturity level of college players varies. Yeah, yeah. Like, listen, this is being honest. Not everybody is that cool, calm, and collected. So if you're going to be playing a game with such high intensity, this is where your coaching needs to come into place. And I could understand Howard's frustration with what oh, happened. Yeah, I, I could too. I get that. But it's like one of the situations, you just got to be a cooler head prevails. It did in this situation, and I feel it's an isolated incident. But you're right. If this happens again, oh, trust me, I think the NCAA will absolutely get rid of it. But I think this is something they should look at now and just really say for those playoffs or the, the tourney coming up, like, this might be a situation you want to look at things. Yeah. Because obviously when everybody is coming back and when Howard comes back to Michigan, I think this team is going to be just rallying around this. And, oh, absolutely. And I think they're they're going to absolutely leave it all on the court. Not that they – like I can't stress enough, not that they weren't already, but I think that they now know that they had a very bad light shined on them. Uh-huh. And they're going to want to get people to forget about that as quickly as possible. Yeah. I don't blame them. Yeah. And to go back into the tournament where everything – really is all about the game and not mm-hmm. about an ugly incident. Yeah. But that's why I say, like, going into the tournament, this is a bad headline to have, and yeah. just hopefully cooler heads prevail as we start getting into these tourneys because you know the pressure that's on these kids when they're playing. Oh, yeah. So let us know what you think about this incident, ODPH Society. What is your takes about what has happened with the University of Michigan here? Do you agree with the punishment fit the crime? Do you not? We can have a civil conversation about it. And obviously, who do you like going into the Final Four tournament? I know it's still a little early, but you know those games to play in are going to be happening sooner than later for the tourneys. And obviously, we'll be talking about that when it's tourney time here on the ODPH. Oh, yeah. But let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Ooh, I've been dying to try this place. Oh my god, me too. I've heard such good things about it. Welcome to the Crime Diner. I'm Cindy. I'll be cooking for you this evening. Here are your menus. Ooh, what are you thinking about getting? I don't know. Murder with a side of cannibalism? What about you? Ooh, that sounds good. I'm torn between historical mayhem and the social injustice, maybe? Oh. I just want to let you know that each episode comes with dinner, dessert, and a specialty drink chosen by yours truly. Wine Dine and Storytime has had a makeover, and we invite you to slide into the booth with us at the Crime Diner, where each week we will discuss a crime over dinner, drinks, and dessert. See you there! Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and... We are now at the second half of the NBA season. Uh-huh. And obviously, 
The All-Star game happened. Yeah. And so did the slam dunk competition. Hey, uh, shout out to everyone listening to the show right now. You can do dunks better than anyone at that dunk contest. Yes. But the Knicks won something, so that's why we're talking about it. Shout out to Obi Toppin. It's a participation trophy. I don't give a shit. We won something. Zach, that That is what matters to me. All I know is Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon have ruined that dunk contest for a few years. Oh, I think so, too. I mean, I think this is a situation where... Go, go back and watch their 2016 championship round. You'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah. The the dunk competition and three-point competition is, is really kind of fallen into a forgettable moment now at this stage. Yeah. I mean, because at this day and age with the internet, stars are not being made from this. Right. So, like, in years past, it always, you saw somebody really elevate their stock because they got showcased. Here, it was not the case, and the slam dunk competition was atrocious. Uh-huh. There isn't a lot to talk about that, but that is why we are going to focus on our predictions for the second half of the season. Yeah. Some surprises in the rankings, but this is why we're going to break it down and give our picks about who's uh, walking away with this chip here. Yeah, so looking at the standings for the Eastern Conference, uh, as we record, you currently have the Miami Heat in first place uh, with a record of 38-21. and 21. Uh, You have the Chicago Bulls right there, tied with the exact same record uh, in second place, or 1A if you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up in third place with a record of 35-23, and 23, you have the Philadelphia 76ers. Fourth place with a record of thirty-five and twenty-three, you have a uh, you have the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, fifth place, you have the Milwaukee Bucks with the record of thirty-six and twenty-four. Uh, sixth place with a record of thirty-four and twenty-six, you have the Boston Celtics. Seventh place belongs to the Toronto Raptors with a record of thirty-two and twenty-five. The Brooklyn Nets are in eighth place with a record of thirty-one and twenty-eight. Charlotte Hornets are in ninth place with a record of twenty-nine and thirty-one. And then you've got the Atlanta Hawks in the 10th position uh, with a record of 28 and 30. And then the Knicks are playing. Yeah, the Knicks have uh, really fallen on very bad times. Hey, hey, they're not the Detroit Pistons or Orlando Magic. No, but they're going to have to do some retooling this offseason. I'm glad they didn't make any moves at the trade deadline. I think right now it's let's see what we got and see what we can change for next year. Yeah. That's going to be the big takeaway. Honestly, I'm not too surprised at one and two. Miami, we thought has just been solid yeah. overall. Like they're they have been one of those teams that they're young, they're playing very good. Jimmy Butler's down there, so you know they're going to be hustling. They do a lot of the good things, and obviously the record stands to show it. Chicago surprises me a little bit at, at number two, just because I figured they would be good and I figured they would contend, just not as high as number two. Yeah. But you know what? They they did enough retooling in the offseason that you'd figure maybe they would rise. But two, I, I, I'm actually kind of surprised they're that high. Yeah. I would have had them at the spot Cleveland's at. I can see Cleveland that. Cleveland is throwing me for a loop. Yeah. I did not think they would be doing as well as they are. But I tell you what, they're fun to watch. And they're yeah. definitely making some moves. I know they kind of get a little overshadowed, so to speak. Mm-hmm. from the headlines that is Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Well, they don't really, let's face it, the biggest star on their team, I think, is maybe Rajon Rondo. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing. It's like they play very quietly, but they're making some noise. They're doing what they need to. And that's the one takeaway that you got to have here is they are playing so solid. Yeah. And especially, like I said, you would think that they're they're just absolutely forgettable. You would think, yeah. that, you would think they are, but they have just been playing – just steady basketball. It's very solid. Yeah. And for what they're doing, it's like they're flying so much under the radar that 
nobody's really paying attention to him. Yeah, I mean, I I can't really speak for the first half of the season just because it doesn't let, once the game's over, it doesn't list what channel it was on without me digging into every single box score. I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. But for the remainder of the regular season, which is however many games, uh, as of this recording and as of right now, and if you're listening to this in the future, it might have changed. Something might have gotten flexed and they might have gotten put into a national game. But uh, as of this recording, they've got one game on their remainder of their schedule on national television. And when I say national television, I'm talking ESPN slash ABC, uh, TNT, and hell, I'll even throw NBA TV in there. Uh, and that is their Sunday, March 6th game against the Toronto Raptors, which is at 730 on ESPN. The rest of them are on local TV. Yeah, and the craziest stat I'm checking from NBA.com to quote, the Cavs are the only team that hasn't lost a game by 20 points or more. Wow. Like, who are these guys? Yeah, no kidding. But there you have a tough competition ahead of them. Like, I think that they flew under the radar for the beginning of the season. Yeah. But obviously, everybody is going to have their eyes on Philadelphia. Uh And this is where the James Harden 2.0 emerges. Can he play with Joel Embiid? Can they really make a serious run? I'm going to say this. I think they do. I think they take the East. I could say it. I think that this is going to be a combination. As long as Embiid stays healthy, we know that that sometimes he kind of struggles to do it. Sure. But they could definitely really make some noise and really go deep because now Embiid has somebody that – is motivated mm-hmm. in James Harden, which if you get a motivated Harden, that's huge. That's as oh, yeah. big as you can get. Oh yeah. But to pair him with somebody that's already having an MVP season, like this is what he tried doing in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and this didn't work for whatever reason. Yeah. But there's so much drama with Brooklyn mm-hmm. that I just think they're going to fall apart. Could be. And I think that you kind of have to look at what this team is doing in Philly. And they are going to have a big addition. Like, sure, like when they come back this week, it's going to be some growing pains. Oh, yeah. As it is with any new player. You don't just kind of usually gel the first week and then go. But I think once Harden gets used to the system down there and him and Embiid get rolling, this team is going to be lights out. And it's got, they've got an interesting schedule, too. Uh, I'm looking at the schedule. They open up this coming Friday uh, in Minnesota against the Timberwolves. Then they got a home away game and a home game against the New York Knicks. But the interesting test is going to come uh, Saturday, March 5th, Monday, March 7th, and Thursday, March 10th, where the 5th, they're in Miami playing the Heat. The 7th, they're at home playing the Bulls. And then the 10th, they're at home playing the Nets. So that's going to be an interesting stretch. And then you'll listen to this stretch uh, in the middle of middle to the end of March. So March 18th, they play the Dallas Mavericks. March 20th, they play the Toronto Raptors. 21st, they play the Miami Heat. 23rd, they play the Lakers. 25th, they play the Clippers. 27th, they play the Suns. 29th, they play the Bucks. Ow. Yeah. God damn. It's a rough stretch, but this is going to really show if they're playoff ready. Uh-huh. I mean, that's the wild scenario about this. I mean, the Bucks are there, but still, they're not the Bucks of old. No. And I think that they got their chip. They're happy. Yeah. And the real question mark is going to be, can Brooklyn pull it off now with Ben Simmons? And what are we going to get out uh, Kyrie Irving at the stage? I don't know. No. no. I just, it's not going to happen. I'm not saying this as a Brooklyn hater, because obviously if you listen to the show long enough, you know I don't like Brooklyn. Nah, I, you love them. I see you wearing the shirt. Oh, yeah. You know I got it every day. That's like my entire outfit. <laughs> Brooklyn is just a mess. Yeah. And this is what happens when you try building a super team out of nothing. 
You win all in. Well, this is what happens when you try and build a super team out of nothing and it goes poorly. Well, that's the whole thing. It's like Sometimes so- it goes good. Sometimes it goes bad. Well, this is the latter. Yeah, because now you basically had your team tell you who they wanted to play with. Yep. Everybody wanted to get together. Oh, we had to get James Harden out of Houston. We had to do it. Had to do it. And then you get him there and it doesn't work. Yeah. And then you have the issues with Kyrie, which, like, listen, that is what it is. That's a whole other ball of wax we ain't got time for. Exactly. So if I'm Kevin Durant, I'm kind of looking around like, well, I created this monster. I got to deal with this. Is it now am I really feeling I'm going to make a deep run? No, because especially you're still, as of this recording, not going to have all three of them on a court for a home game. Because New York still has the vaccine mandate and Kyrie Irving is still unvaccinated as of this recording. Mm -hmm. So he still cannot play home games in Brooklyn. So if things fall the way they fall and Brooklyn happens to make it to a playoff and just the way the scheduling works out and they end up having fewer home games than away games. Or no, excuse me, they end up having more if they have like an even split. You're only counting on Kyrie for half of those fucking games. Yeah. Really? Like, I want my guy here for the entire time, which is what it is. But still, I think it's still going to blow up in their face. I think so, too. I think the whole experiment with him, if I'm Brooklyn, I would have moved him. I would have tried moving him however I could. I th- I think it would have been a lot easier under any other circumstance. Yeah, but I think that that's the problem that you got right now, that you're stuck with him. That, that's a that's a monster. You cannot do anything. That, that is a literal Hydra from, like, the Hercules mythology. Like, you cut off one head, there's about two, three more. Yeah, so... I am just saying I don't know exactly how this is all going to play out with Brooklyn. I don't think they're going to do it because I just think, one, you went on that bad losing streak, 11 games, I believe. Something like that, yeah. And to come back from that, you move Harden. It's a messy breakup. We all know about this. It's very well documented. Now you have a lot of pressure on you, and now if it doesn't pan out, what do you do now? Like you blew up your super team. There is no excuse now. This no. is all on Kevin Durant to pull off something. And if he's the true superstar, the greatest in the league right now, he's got to come through. And it's a, it's un, and unfortunate that that's the, the narrative it is. But listen, yeah. you made this monster. You're the one that wanted to get Kyrie to Brooklyn with you. You wanted James Harden to play with. Oh, yeah, we're going to make it happen, blah, blah, blah. You know, the, the secret games they were doing out in California, right. whatever the nonsense was there. Right. Like, listen, reap what you sow. You wanted this team, and now you had to implode it. And there's and there's no shortage of the spotlight being any less bright on them because that you know all yes or excuse me all Nets games are broadcasted on the Yes Network, which is in the New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut area, and is like one of the largest, if not the largest, regional sports network in the country. Yeah, they get a lot of viewers. There's a lot of people watching them that can watch those games. And then there's also no shortage of them being on national television because I looked at their schedule. Out of their remaining however many games they got, 13 of them are on national television split between ESPN slash ABC, TNT, and NBA TV. Oh, yeah, because everybody thought they were going to be the team to beat, and now they're not. Yeah. So I think in closing for the East, listen, this is Philly's game to lose, in my yeah, opinion. I can see that. I think Miami's going to hang with them. I think that'll be your conference final. That'd be a good one. Depending on how it all shapes up in bracketing. But I'm telling you this, I like Philly to go – to the conference finals. If I, had to, if I had to pick somebody to pick to go to the conference finals, I'm going to say Chicago just because it's been a while. Well, you know what? Like I said, they got such a nice young nucleus there yeah. that they could definitely pull it off. It's it's not out of the realm of thought with who they got on that team. Yeah. Because obviously Ball is playing very hard, and you got DeMar DeRozan too. Yeah. Like you have some very talented pieces there that are, you know, they're gelling very nicely. So that's yeah. why the Bulls are doing as well as they are. So they could definitely sneak in there and make some noise, but I still think this Phillies to lose. Could be. And then taking a look at the West. 
Boy, oh boy, this is something interesting, uh, because looking at the Western Conference, as we currently record, uh, first place is held down by the Phoenix Suns, who have a record of 48-10. and 10. Second place is the Golden State Warriors, with a record of 42-17. and 17. Third place belongs to the Memphis Grizzlies, who have a record of 41-19. and 19. Utah is in fourth place, uh, with a record of 36-22. and 22. The Dallas Mavericks are in the fifth position, with a record of 35-24. and 24. Denver Nuggets are right behind them in sixth place with a record of 33 and 25. Then you've got the Minnesota Timberwolves in the seventh position with a record of 31 and 28. LA Clippers are in the eighth seed with a record of 30 and 31. LA Lakers are in the ninth seed with a record of 27 and 31. And then you've got the Portland Trailblazers in the tenth spot with a record of 25 and 34. Wow, we were wrong about the Lakers. Yeah, just a bit. Just a bit. The Russell Westbrook situation is just getting worse by the day. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's going to be their year. I know everybody's talking about LeBron's you know, itching about leaving. Listen, I think at this stage it might not be a bad idea per se. Yeah. You know, it just it depends on what you want to do. Like he's still in arguably the top percentage of the league. To have on your team. Oh, absolutely. But if you're thinking that it's not going to work out there, you got a chip out of them. You know, what else could you really say? I mean, the experiment worked. Yeah. Uh, LeBron currently averaging 29.1 points per game, which is good for third in the league. 7.9 rebounds per game, which is good for 33rd in the league. 6.5 assists, which is good for uh, 16th in the league. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, he's still in the top echelon of the players yeah. in the league, even though, I mean, obviously Father Time is catching up on him at this stage. Right. But this is something that we need to realize with him. And obviously he said he wants to play with his son when he comes to the league, and yep. he would be definitely open to going to a different team and, and doing something there. Boy, you thought the decision was going to be wild. That whole thing is going to be fucking wilder. Well, JT from the East Coast Avengers had a good question, that if you had the number one pick in the draft, would you take uh, LeBron's son to get LeBron? Oh, you yeah, absolutely you fucking have to. I'd, I'd say if you're on the cusp of winning, like if you were in the situation that Cleveland was in when he came back. Sure. And you had all those number one picks in a row. Yeah. And you just needed a veteran to come back and lead that team. Yeah, I do. I make that. Oh, in a I fucking the, heartbeat. I do that pick in the heartbeat. This, this, this is a foolish question otherwise. But if you're somebody that's like, you know, Sacramento. James Dolan, start listening. Yeah. Oh, well, I'd say Dolan would be smart to do that, but, you know, I don't think they're going to do that with the Knicks. I mean, I think we got to do some retooling and, and, and then some, but that's a that's a whole other side story. Well, first got to find Leon Rose. Well, yeah, that's, we're going to save that conversation for another time because, trust me, I can go on a very long-winded rant. But in concern with the Lakers, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the situation, especially with you know who you got to compete with now. Phoenix mm-hmm. has picked up where they left off. Oh, absolutely. They're playing lights out. Devin Booker is doing his thing out there. Chris Paul, what can you say? Hey, the ageless wonder. Yeah. And to see what they're doing out there, I mean, obviously they are playing at such an elite level that Golden State, as much as they're back, yeah. and everybody's very, very fearful of that, is not competing with, with Phoenix right now. Like, that's how crazy this is out yeah. in the West. Like, you have to think about that. So it's it's going to be a situation, especially with Phoenix, though, because with Chris Paul breaking his thumb. Yeah, yeah. we got to remember about that, too. I don't know. I mean, I think Phoenix will still be in there. But I tell you what, the team that could sneak up on everybody is the Grizzlies. Yeah, well, I think we got to remember the thing that helped the Phoenix Suns was they went like a calendar month with, like, one loss. Yeah. They won their first game of the year on January 2nd, uh, which was an away game at Charlotte. 
They lost. They won against New Orleans. They beat the Clippers. They lost against Miami on January eighth. They did not lose another game until February third against the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, it's crazy. They went like an entire. They went like a calendar month with like one loss. Yeah, but and they. Oh, by the way, they haven't lost a game since. Now, granted, I realize they're on you know the All Star break, but still, since that Atlanta Hawks loss, they've won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven in a row. Yeah. They're on point right now. And that's what I said. That's what makes them scary in the West. And, like, and Oh, by the way, that's with them playing the Bulls, the 76ers, and the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, that's how tough the West is right now. That obviously, I think whoever's getting the chip this year is coming out of there. I would imagine so, although I wouldn't necessarily look past the East just because, to me, the conferences seem pretty evenly split. You know, in terms of, like, who's better teams and all that. It's not like years past where one side was very – it's not like years past where the West was so obviously more stacked than the East. It's like, yeah, of course the fucking champion's going to come out of the West. Mm-hmm. I, I think it I, – I wouldn't sleep on the Eastern Conferences here. Well, I don't I don't think you can. Like, I don't think it's going to be a runaway. But if you look at how the top three teams are doing there in the West. Yeah. And like I said, Memphis is nothing to sneeze about. John Morant is just <laughs> – on a whole different level right now. Yeah. And the rest of the team is finally catching up to him. This is a situation where anyone in those top three could sneak in there. I do like Golden State, though. Oh, I do, too. I think that they know that the window is slowly closing on them. They finally have everybody back healthy. And they're poised to make a run now. I mean, that's the one thing that this team knows how to do, is, and that's win, and especially if you get in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Love them or hate them, they know how to do this. But with Clayback. That's a huge, huge win in their favor. Yeah. And this is going to definitely help them carry some you know, weight into the playoffs there. Because, I mean, if you take a look at the, the latter half of that conference right now, is anybody really jumping on at you in the West? No. I mean, honestly, past the six, and even even the Nuggets are kind of like an eh. I don't know if I really feel Even the five with Dallas. Once you get past the four with Utah, I'm not really all that scared by any of the teams out west sure they can make some noise and they can probably cause some havoc and upset a few people's postseason plans Mm -hmm. but realistically do i see the mavericks the nuggets the timberwolves the clippers lakers or trailblazers making it to the finals no no i mean i I think dallas might be the closest one but they're still a ways away yeah Uh, but that's what i say when you got luca on your team Uh, you can make a lot of happen listen there's a reason jordan paid him some respect over the weekend yeah so it's gonna be interesting to see how it all shakes up so that being said, Pat, who you got coming out of the West? Uh, I'm going to say Golden State Warriors. Uh, just they got everybody back healthy. They're playing real well. I do know they have a little bit of a rough schedule uh, coming out of the gate. They play Portland, Dallas, Minnesota, Dallas, and the Lakers. So they do have a bit of a rough schedule. But hey, everyone's back playing healthy. They're playing good. I think it's going to be uh, Golden State. It's time to shine. Yeah, I agree with you too. I think there's Golden State's to lose. I, I think Phoenix is going to hang in there. But if Chris Paul is out for as long as they're kind of guessing he is. Yeah, that's not going to be a good look for anybody. And I think that they're going to really kind of struggle against it. So we'll have to wait and see about how it all plays out, though. But I tell you what, I like Philly and I like Golden State. You like? Uh, Yeah, I like Chicago and Golden State. So ODPH Society, who's your picks for the second half of the NBA season? Who do you like? Who do you not? Let's talk about it, shall we? Who is going to the NBA Finals? Uh, both conferences. I know it's the early predictions, but hey, that's what we like to do here on the show. So let us know what you got. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows. 
Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, Pad, what you got? Kind of talk a little uh, Binghamton Black Bears hockey. Uh, okay. Because looking at the schedule, or not the schedule, the standings, they're currently in fourth place with a record of 20 and 17. They've got Columbus ahead of them with a record of 20 and 11. Danbury with a record of 26 and 12 and fucking hell. Watertown in first place still with a record of 28, 7, and 1. Jesus Christ. Holy shit, Watertown's running away with this. Yeah. Uh, so switching over to the schedule uh, to see how they did this past week, uh, they had a game on uh, Saturday, February nineteenth. It was their first game back after the little brief spell from the uh, what's going on with the Olympics. Uh, they uh, beat the Delaware Thunder by the final score, small margin of victory, nine to three. Jeez. Uh, they came back the uh, next night on Sunday, February twentieth, uh, and they lost to the Watertown Wolves by the final score of seven to three. Uh, and then Monday, uh, they took on the Watertown Wolves again, uh, where they won by the final score of 5-3. to three. Switching ahead to looking at their games they have this coming week, they have a home game this Friday against the Delaware Thunder, game time 7 o'clock. Uh, and then they have another, or, or excuse me, then they're on the road uh, Saturday, February 26th, taking on the Delaware Thunder uh, at 7 o'clock Eastern. And then they are on the road again Sunday February 27th, 3 o'clock Eastern, taking on the Watertown Wolves. Their next home game as we, after this Friday is not until Saturday, March 5th. Uh, that is taking on Watertown. Uh, so for more in tickets, more info, tickets, and all that good stuff, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. Right on. So let's keep it in the last roll. You want to talk some more baseball? Uh, yeah, I got to talk a little bit. Well, got to talk some baseball because it was announced today by the New York Yankees that a uh, little bit, of, I think it was about eight years or so ago, the Yankees decided to honor Paul O'Neill, you know, the warrior, mm-hmm. one of the linchpins of the Yankee dynasty in, from the uh, 90s and into 2000, uh, was, was getting a plaque. He was mm-hmm. getting a little plaque in Monument Park just to honor him. Well, it was announced today by the New York Yankees that on Paul O'Neill Day, which is taking place on August 21st, 2022, uh, where the Yankees will be taking on the uh, Toronto Blue Jays that night. Uh, Paul O'Neill will become the 23rd player or manager to have his number retired. Uh, you know, if you go to the game, you'll have a commemorative ticket, game ticket. Uh, but yeah, Paul O'Neill's number 21 will finally be re- officially retired. About damn time. I say the exact same goddamn thing. His He played his final game in Game 7 of the 2001 World Series. Of course, if you look up the video on YouTube, there's the famous moment from, I think it was game five or six, I think it was five of the 2001 World Series where the fans are chanting his name and for about five minutes during the game. It's goosebumps moment for if you're a sports fan, you know, and, and since that point, only one player has worn the number 21 and that was for all of a week. That was relief pitcher Latroy Hawkins in like 2008, who to that point, so for seven years, nobody wore the number. And for whatever reason, they never retired it. So Latroy Hawkins comes out. He's wearing the 21 booed incessantly. Yeah. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't understand it. Allegedly. He didn't even know who Paul O'Neill was. He was wearing it in commemoration of Roberto Clemente, mm-hmm. you know, but he got booed incessantly and he finally changed the number 22. So after about a week in 2008, Nobody has worn the number since, so it was de facto retired. So finally, uh, this coming August, again, assuming they play the season this year. Yeah, that's a whole other ball wax. If not, this will be 2023 we're doing this. Uh, But no, Paul O'Neill will be the latest member of the Yankees to have his number retired. And deservedly so, I'd say. You know, he's not one of the core four, but he was a fantastic player for the New York Yankees. Uh, You know, I dug up some stats on him. Uh, He played nine seasons with the Yankees from 1993 to 2001. During that time, he 
had a 303 batting average, 185 home runs, 858 runs batted in, and an 869 on base percentage. Uh, he was a four time World Series champion, a four time All Star, and oh, by the way, he was the 1994 AL batting champion. So without him, I would say it'd be a little harder for the Yankees to have won some of those World Series. And without him being in New York, there'd be a lot happier water coolers. Yeah, this is true. Nobody can match his intensity. He was one of the most feared players in the league because he was just that guy. Uh-huh. That, like, you needed that clutch hit, he would get that clutch hit. He just was such an intense player that him being in the New York media, I'm surprised it went as well as it did. Because mm-hmm. I know he didn't speak a lot to the media, no. but he was just so respected for his play on the field that they kind of gave it to him easy. Like, sure. But it, and I'm not in that in any slight by well, any it was, means. It was also before the social media age. Yeah, too, because I think if we, if we were in that kind of age right now, yikes, yikes. That's all I, mean, I got to say about that. I mean, I know some people are like, oh, why? Listen, he was a linchpin of those World Series teams. He's become a fan favorite, you know, in his time on the Yes Network. Listen, I I almost always watch Yankees games, but, like, my attention is kind of divided up between, A, who's the matchup? I'm, I'll have it on maybe his background noise, you know, but I'll watch actively if it's a good team and if Paul O'Neill is calling the game because Paul O'Neill is absolute money on a broadcast for oh, Yankees yeah. game. Oh, for sure. Him, him and Dan... I, listen, we as Yankees fans have been spoiled the last two years, you know, with 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 the COVID year and then this year because the Yes Network broadcasting uh, crew has gone down from a lot to just a few. And for the last two years, we've had David Cohn and Paul O'Neill on basically every Yankees game, and it's been a fucking joy. Uh, uh, national fans will get to experience David Cohn and his wonder and brilliance, but Paul O'Neill is, is fantastic as a broadcaster and obviously just increased his aura as one of the fan favorites. And to him, I say uh, very fond congratulations, sir. Absolutely. So for me, one quick UFC note before we get into some wrestling, the book and the show. This past week was UFC Fight Night, and Jamal Hill knocked out 607 podcast favorite Johnny Walker. You got knocked the fuck out! Oh, yeah, it was a brutal knockout. Uh, I'm not saying Johnny's done, but, man, that was not a good knockout to take. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was just brutal. You can you can find the post shots after on, on social media. Maybe we'll share some on Instagram this week. I don't know. It's just it's that brutal. It's going around. But what I really want to dive into is this week... Uh, there was supposed to be a fight going on between Islam Machev mm-hmm. and Benil Darush, and Darush has been forced out because he has an injury. Oh. Stepping in on, I want to say, 10 days' notice okay. is Bobby Green. Oh, okay. Which is awesome to see. Uh, it's a crazy weight cut. They're going to be fighting, I believe, at a catch weight oh, instead of 155. Yeah, that's short of time span, yeah. Yeah. But this is going to be absolutely wild to see. Uh, I know common man Vince Atoli was screaming about uh, Bobby Green. He's, he's, he's going to pull the upset. I don't know. It's going to be a fun fight this weekend on the 26th. So definitely keep your eyes out for that. Um, I do think Islam is going to take him down, though. But, I but the, hey, listen, to step in on that short notice, I mean, like I said, it's some crazy weight cut to get down to right around 155. I want to say... Yeah, if it's going to be a catchweight, it'll probably be like 165, 160. I'm not sure about the number. Yeah. But either way, kudos to you for stepping up and doing that on short notice because at least, hey, a fight isn't canceled. So we'll kind of have to wait to see about if Darush is going to get a rematch with Machev down the road. But who knows, man? It's still going to be some good fights going on this weekend as well. And to bookend about some uh, pro wrestling news, I forgot, Pad, there is something going on locally. 
Yeah, so it was announced that on uh, Sunday, April 24th at 7 o'clock Eastern uh, at the Visions Veterans Memorial Arena that WWE will be returning to Binghamton for the first time in a couple of years now. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been at least 2019 since they've been here. Obviously, the pandemic, ain't nothing happened, and then they weren't here all of 2021, so they're finally making their return. Uh, tickets will go for the event to start at $15. They go on sale to the general public Friday, February 25th at 10 a.m. through Ticketmaster. Uh, looks like we're going to be getting the SmackDown, folks. Uh, as scheduled to appear will be WWE Universal Champion Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre, The Usos, The New Day, Sheamus, Rich Holland, Charlotte Flair, and more. Exciting to see WWE action yeah. back in town. Yeah. So you definitely have to try making plans to go down to the show. I, it, it's going to be a while. Like it's said, it's been such a long time going. It'll kind of feel a little surreal going in there, but it's always going to be a good time down to see some live WWE action locally. If you yeah. get a chance to go see it, go see, go support any pro wrestling you can. Plus, always... you never know who's going to show up unannounced. This is true. This Just is saying. This is very true. But to close out, we also have to give a shout-out to Ring of Honor, and they have announced their latest inductee into their Hall of Fame class this year. Uh-huh. The one only CM Punk. Does ROH realize that every other Hall of Fame class they do after this year is going to fucking suck? It's going to be a challenge for them. I'm going to say this. But they have got such a wealth of talent that they could pull from oh i agree they, they went they went heavy for this class oh i agree yeah, yeah, yeah i know no. but I, i'm with you like I'm uh just, i'm just saying like yo save some for future years well as i said i think they're only doing four uh, this, okay. this go around so obviously punk joins samoa joe brian danielson and the briscoes in so it'll be interesting to see when this all goes out so obviously keep your eyes on ring of honor social media i know they're gonna be doing uh like a quick special catching up about the history of them in uh, Ring of Honor, and obviously, if you know anything about CM Punk's lineage, him and, C- and ROH has been some of the most fantastic stuff you'll ever see in pro wrestling, bar none. A lot better, in my opinion, than what you see on AEW. Just saying. So that all said, Pad, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is that of Brian Wolf. Now, Brian Wolf, I don't think is in pro wrestling. He probably should get into it. But if I want to find out about him and his music, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. Swing it over your music section. You check out everything going on with him. Everything going on with Floodlands. Second Suitor, Tom Jolo, Yard Party, Shout Out the Robots. The list goes on and on. All fantastic people. And that's why we put them on the page, because we endorse them. Also, while you're at the website, check out Parlay Points. New blogs dropping this week. And thank you to everybody who's been subscribing to them. Jeez, I saw the numbers. I don't like to brag about numbers. But thank you. Holy smokes. But while you're at the website as well, too, make sure you swing on over to the classifieds where you check out organizational links, support, and Black Lives Matter. All the pod groups we are in via their pod chaser pages. Friends of the show such as 8122 Productions, doing a lot of big things, coming up on the four-year anniversary next month. Wow. Or two months, actually. It's in April. I, it's like February is just blending into March for me. So it's a lot going on. A lot going on. They got a lot of stuff going on on their Patreon, too, so you definitely want to go check that out. Also, check out the T Public store. A lot of stuff you definitely want to go pick up on. The directory, which, Pat, how many providers are we on now? Uh, 18,209. Yeah, he's got the number down, folks. No joke. If we're not on your favorite podcast provider, let us know and we'll try getting on there for you. That's what we try doing here at the ODPH. All of that and so much more. ODPHpodcast.com. That's all we got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. Try to make them laugh Cause a laughing man's got nothing else
Way back to ancient. 